coming up in today's episode. When I was an intern, I remember I walked past John Wall, who at the time was one of the best point guards in the league. He played for the Washington Wizards. I, know, I got kind of wide-eyed. I was like, wow, that's John Wall. And I remember uh, Pete Thompson, who I was with at the time, he worked for NBC Sports or NBC 40, grabbed me by the arm. And he was like, yo, if you ever <laughs> do that again, I will not allow you up here. Welcome to episode 81 of Enter the Mind podcast, the most real talk, no-nonsense podcast on the empowering of the mind. In today's episode, we'll be interviewing Kai Carlin, journalist at Sixers Wire at USA Today. Sixers Wire is a website with daily updates on the Philadelphia 76ers basketball team. You may be wondering if Kai Carlin and Kira Carlin have any relation, so I'm going to pass it to Kira to tell us the secret. Well, yes, everybody. Kai is my brother. I asked him to come on because he has been an inspiration in my life since I was uh, a little girl. He's always been my big brother. So, you know, I look up to him uh, in some ways. And since I was a little girl, I've seen my brother, this man, Kai Carlin, literally be obsessed with basketball. I'm talking obsessed. And Today, he's 28 years old, and he has climbed his way to the same dream that he has had since he was a little boy. And I think that that deserves a little bit of tinkering in the mind so we can figure out what is your secret, Kai? How do you how do you stay so motivated? How do you stay so dedicated? How do you stay so patient? How do you believe in yourself so much to be at this for literally 23 years? Tell us a little bit about your journey, Kai. So what's going on, Kira? How are you? How are you feeling this morning? Very good. To, I'm actually, I can't believe I'm on a podcast with my sister. This is definitely like a little uh, strange. I never thought that this would ever happen, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like let's just kind of get into it, right? So uh, as, as you mentioned, it was something that I, I wanted to do since I was a kid, right? I think kind of uh, the original goal was to make the NBA. Like I thought I was going to make the league. And I think I remember in high school, I realized I wasn't good enough to uh, make the league. So I thought, you know, why not go for like the backup plan, which is to cover the league, which is kind of like the next best option I kind of have. So I think it was, the year was uh, 2006, like a little before high school. I remember watching the NBA finals and uh, it was here. It was the Miami Heat, the Dallas Mavericks. I remember kind of Dwayne Wade was having this Michael Jordan-esque uh, performance for the Heat and they were down 2-0. They won four in a row. And I remember seeing all the reporters there and everything kind of being able to witness it, talk to these guys after. And I was like, yo, that kind of looks kind of fun. Like, like, like that looks like that could be a blast. So I was like, you know, I, I kind of want to do that. That looks kind of dope. All right. So at that point, I just it was strictly just working on reading articles from like other sports reporters and kind of go from there. And then from that point on, it was just like a lot of, you know, internships. It was a lot of uh, doing this for free for two and a half years. We lived in Atlantic City. Philadelphia is an hour away. So, you know, I would drive to Philly, drive to there are games in Brooklyn, in New York, drive to D.C. I flew to Miami once for no money. Like, I wasn't getting paid for it at all. I just decided to do it. You make connections, you network, and things like that. And then eventually, Sixers Wire was actually getting ready to hire somebody. They are going to hire Jessica Camarado from NBC Sports Philadelphia because she didn't have a job. She was um, she had gotten laid off. But the minute they were getting ready to hire Jessica, she got hired at MLB.com to cover the Boston Red Sox. So she had to decline it. But she said, hey, this kid Kai has been working really hard. He's really good. Um, I'm going to give you his contact info. They called me. Um, I talked with Mo Hamilton, who was the Sixers Wire editor at the time. 
we talked for about 45 minutes. He said he would bring me on, but they couldn't pay me yet. They had to see what I could do at first. And there was nothing new. So for three weeks, again, I covered them for free. Uh, and then they threw me on the payroll about three weeks later. Again, it wasn't much. It was only like 500 bucks a month. It wasn't anything crazy. And then- How old were you at this point? This was three years ago. So like 25. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, August of 2019, they they promoted me to editor. It came with a uh, nice little pay raise. I got another pay raise the next season. I got another pay raise this past season. And that just got promoted to Regional Wire's NBA editor about two weeks ago. So, like, now I'm, I'm up. This is officially like a full-time gig, benefits, and, you know, it's been a long journey for sure. Wow. Thank you for sharing. And, um, Robert, do you have anything specific that you'd like to ask? You really sparked my curiosity when you said two and a half years you worked for free. Yep. I'm just thinking like, like who does that? Like so many people would give up, but I don't know if that even went through your head or if you were just having a blast the entire time. Hey, it was a blast, but then I was also making money because I was working five jobs at the time. So like... So like it really didn't matter. Like I was still making money technically. Um, I was substitute teaching. I was lifeguarding. I was um, do, doing some stuff at my college as well. Kind of like even though I graduated, I kind of stuck around and they were paying me a little bit. Doing stuff for a friend of mine uh, as well, making money off of that. So like there were still ways I was making money while also pursuing like a, you know a dream, a goal. The only thing I was really sacrificing really was sleep. I would leave Wells Fargo Center which is where the Sixers play, almost midnight. Then I'd have to drive an hour back home. It'd be almost one in the morning. Um, and then I'd have to sleep, get up at 6 a.m. to go substitute teach. After that, uh, I'd have to maybe run by the pool and lifeguard for a couple hours and then come home, write some more articles, and then maybe go to sleep, maybe, for longer than four or five hours. But yeah, that, that, that was kind of like the only thing that really sucked about it. But I knew it was going to pay off eventually. So, and it has. So... I look back at those, you know, years and I'm just like, you know, you kind of, you kind of appreciate those years because those are the tough ones that kind of mold you as a person. I, I knew that you were working a lot, but I didn't know that you were going to these games. Let me make sure that I heard this right. You took it upon yourself to take two and a half years to go to games just so you could write down the stats and, and put them online for people to see. You did that for free for two and a half years. Well, they're not stats or stories. It was like, you know, this specific night, Joel Embiid dropped 48 points of 14 rebounds. Here was his reaction. Here's Brett Brown's reaction. Um, oh, today the Sixers traded for Jimmy Butler. I went up to his press conference. Here was Jimmy Butler's reaction to being traded to the Sixers. Remember, we talked to Elton Brand, who was a general manager at the time. So, um, you know, you, you then ask Elton Brand a question. Elton, what'd you like about Jimmy's game? Oh, he's a clutch guy. He comes up in the clutch. Got it. Elton Brand says Jimmy Butler comes up clutch. Here we go. So it, it's, just, yeah. it's stuff like that. Yeah, it's stories. So that was on WordPress, right? You had put those on WordPress? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So that is number one, amazing. And then the second thing that I wanted to ask is, I know that you didn't hang out with your friends too much in this time. You've always been a big work guy. You've always been very dedicated to your money, your work, your career, your passions. Did you feel lonely at all when you were not hanging out with your friends? There were some nights where I was just like, damn, I really wish I was able to go out to go go get some wings or something with, with the guys or maybe hop on a video game or something real quick. But at the end of the day, like I kind of realized that there aren't a lot of people who are able to do what I do. And I know there are a million people 
who would love to do what I do right even right now. Um, it, it's because it's kind of like a unique career, you know, like you're getting paid to watch sports and write mm-hmm. about sports and talk about sports. So it, it's it's kind of a job that, you know, I know a lot of people would love to have. So consider myself real lucky, real blessed. And uh, I just kind of like when it, when it came to those moments, I, I understood the opportunity that's in front of me and really just kind of push forward with it. That's all. Just I really didn't you know think too much about it. The person that referred you to the job, was it Jessica Camarado? It seemed like a real crucial event when she referred you. She didn't get the job, but she referred you. Do you remember how you guys made that connection originally? Yeah, you talk to people, you know, you want to be able to let people know who you are in my business. So it's like, you know, when you come up to these games and you're working for free, you have to, A, you got to show who you are. You got to show off your work ethic. During these press conferences and these scrums, you have to be able to ask questions. You know, there are a lot of young guys in the industry who like are afraid to ask these guys questions. They're not really getting noticed. They kind of just stand there and, you know, you don't really get the help that you need. You don't really get noticed. Right. So like at that point, like once you're able to continue to ask questions, you talk to people, like someone come up to me, yo, man, that was a really good question. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. And then, you know, you just, you kind of get to talking from there. Jessica, at when I first started on the beat for free, um, she was working for NBC Sports Philadelphia. She was kind of their sideline reporter, the TV girl. Then her contract ended. They didn't renew it. She moved on. She was doing odd jobs before MLB.com came hiring her. And then, but like, yeah, like Jessica and I had always uh, talked. We'd always had a good relationship. So when the time came and Sixers Wire was getting set to hire her, she was like, yo, I got this job, but yo, talk to Kai. He'd probably love it. So yeah, you, you kind of go from there. And again, that's kind of one of those things where it's just like another blessing. We're just like, you know, somebody put in your life to uh, kind of push you forward a little bit. That's all. Some of the things that like the biggest and most successful people say is, you know, like make connections and talk to people. and. Also, some people say, you know, like, oh, you got to you got to step on people's toes sometimes to like get up. Right. And I feel like. When you are a good person, you know, somebody's going to refer you to other people when you're working your way up. I think that it helps to have a pure heart and a passionate heart and it helps to have integrity. And I think that most people will refer you to other people when you have integrity. The connection was created in the first place because you were open to connecting and you understood the importance of self-promotion to some degree or networking or at least getting to know people. What caught my attention was when you said that at these press conferences, there's a lot of young, maybe inexperienced reporters that just stand in the corner and are too afraid to speak up or ask a question. What do you think it is that's making them so afraid? I remember my, my, my first press conference and, you know, we're talking to Ben Simmons. That was my first year on the beat. That was his first year in the league. At the time, he was like a superstar in the league. Like he, the kid was going to be rookie of the year. The kid was, you know, just incredible. And uh, I mean, hell, I even remember like stumbling over words, asking questions my, my first year. I remember um, like, uh, you know, like asking questions that weren't getting like the the right answer that I was looking for, things like that. I had to kind of reword things moving forward. And so I I think like a lot of kids kind of can't get over the fact that these guys are just regular people. I feel like a lot of, a lot of kids just kind of see these guys as celebrities and like they, they get choked up or whatever. And I feel like that's something that 
like a lot of young guys still have an issue getting over because like once you get into this business, you got to kind of understand like these dudes are just happen to be regular people that just happen to be getting paid millions of dollars to be playing a sport, you know, which is kind of hard to get over. It can kind of be tough. Like uh, I remember when I was an intern, I went to cover Allen Iverson's jersey retirement. This was back in uh, 2014. And I remember I walked past John Wall, who at the time was one of the best point guards in the league. He played for the Washington Wizards. John Wall was like a big, big thing. I remember walking past John Wall, and I remember like, uh, I think I was a freshman in college, just kind of looking up. And I was like, I was like, I, don't know, I got kind of wide-eyed. And I was like, wow, that's John Wall. And I remember starstruck is probably the word I would use. Uh, Pete Thompson was my, um, who I was with at the time. He worked for NBC Sports or NBC 40 down in South Jersey. And Pete grabbed me by the arm. And, and he was like, yo, if you ever do that again, I will not allow you up here. Like, that was embarrassing. That was ridiculous. Don't do that ever again. So we're in the car back to the station to kind of begin editing and everything, get ready for the news the next morning. Pete was like, yo, the, he's a regular dude. He's just a regular dude happened to, happened to play in the league. Like, you know, if you want to do this, you need to get rid of that fan nonsense and realize that you are a you know, professional and a reporter, you got to cut that out. So yeah, you just kind of learn professionalism at that point. Dope story. That's dope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was really interesting. When you're putting somebody on a pedestal, like they're a celebrity, it's almost like you're putting yourself as less than them, right? But if you don't put them on a pedestal and you almost see them as your equal, wouldn't it be then that you see yourself as worthy to be having a conversation with another human being. And, and that doesn't have anything to do with the fact if they have money or not. I mean, I never really kind of like um, saw anybody, I guess, above me, I guess, from the jump. I mean, like, other than that night, obviously, which you kind of, you learn from it. For younger people, I kind of, there's like an adjustment period for them to kind of like realize that they're just regular dudes. It's, it's like a process for people. Do you practice any self-help? If it's been like a long day or something, I will come home and play video games. And, you know, like, and then you just kind of relax from there. Like, that's kind of like a, how it goes. In terms of like motivation um, or, or anything like that, I, you know, I wrote some goals in college. I do remember in one of my interns, internships, I remember my first day of an intern, a janitor told me I would never become anything. <laughs> so, like, the janitor. I do, I do remember that. Like, the janitor told me that it's a, uh, you'll never break into this industry. This industry is so hard. It's tough to get into. I, I would look for something else. And um, and I remember like that was kind of weird, but I was like, I kind of brushed it off. I was just like, okay, I mean, hard for you, maybe. I don't know. Like, so like at that point, you kind of grow. And then, the, you know, Kira, our mom kind of always had a saying, nobody's going to knock on the door and give you your life. You know, you got to go out and get it. And then I had another college professor say something to me. If it's if it's important to you, you'll find a way to make it happen. If it's not, you'll sit there and make an excuse as to why you couldn't do it. What I see in your stories is a lot of action taking and not a lot of like overthinking or what some might call inflations of energy. Kira and I, we've been doing this podcast for 80 plus episodes now. and one of the psychology self-help topics that has come up is this idea of inflated uh, energy. And that means sort of putting too much energy into a situation where it's unwarranted. And an, an example would be a young reporter is interviewing a 
really popular basketball player and thinks of this player as superhuman and as uh, an, a god, an idol. And, uh, and it's really an overinflation because the reality is that they're just a real person. So you have to deflate, you sort of have to pop that energy bubble and you just, boom, pop it. And then boom, everything comes back to like reality where, yeah, they are a real person. It's just amazing how many people out there are walking around with those energy bubbles, those inflations uh, in their own psychology, I think. I remember a lot of people were like, oh, don't you get so excited? And I'm, and I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, in a way, because I get to talk to these dudes and kind of figure out how they operate and things like things of that nature. Uh, for example, I know later today I have a one-on-one -on -one with Paul Millsap, who is a Sixers backup center, but he's been in the league 16 years. So, I mean, he and I are going to sit down and have a one-on-one. -on -one. It's really cool to kind of get an idea of how these guys operate, how they handle situations, how they keep moving forward what they think of certain players. Oh, that's really cool. But it's not like I'm in there waving pom-poms and, and you know, being like, being like yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's uh, it's cool. It's just you kind of sit back and, you know, you have a normal combo. You, have a, you ask him a question, you, you take what he said, you transcribe it, you push out an article, you keep going about your day. Sips tea. <laughs> that's water. <laughs> no, I know, but, you know, what I'm saying. Um, so to climb, you know, successfully to your soul's desire and be successful in it, successful, um, <laughs> most people have done self-help. And what I find so interesting is that you just, like, you have not done self-help, but you have this mindset where it's like, I'm just going to do it and I'm going to learn this lesson. Okay. Don't do this. I'm going to move forward. Okay. I'm going to keep going. Okay. I'm going to keep being patient. And I think that you're a great example for somebody who wants to climb their way to the top, but maybe isn't so interested in the self-help? Um, I, I guess, but like everybody's different, right? Like maybe some people need self-help self and there are others that don't need it. For me, I just like never really wanted to. I never really had an interest in it. Be just because I feel like I've already had mom drill stuff into my head, like, like about, you know, knocking on the door and things like that. So I pretty much already figured that out. Again, I had college professors in class that would like tell us like, yo, you got to be able to go out there and get it. I guess kind of like, like the main thing is when you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people, they make a mistake and they think it's just like, it's, um, they're like, it's over. Like, you know, you can't do it no more. It's a wrap. Um, which I guess like, like, it, you know, it's scary. Like, you know, when people make a mistake or whatever, you know, like people kind of can overreact. So like to that point, don't overthink it. Mistakes happen, Larry. That's life. And, you know, you see kind of keep it pushing, you know, you learn from it. Like that's kind of the biggest thing you can really take from any mistake. I agree a lot. You got to be able to frame mistakes and not inject extra energy into those mistakes. You become aware of it, you fix it, you move on. And that seems to be more of the vibration that you're operating at. You got to be able to kind of block out a lot of um, frustration because, you know, like it wasn't just the janitor guy. Like there were a couple other people who told me they're like, yo, you're not going to really do much in this industry. You can either take that and let it break you down or you can take it and use it as motivation. And when you do get it, you can look back and be like, ha ha, you know, so like there are <laughs> a couple of other like different ways you can handle it. My freshman year of college, I waited tables at an Applebee's and I remember like I messed up somebody's order and um, my one manager told me that was like worthless. <laughs> so like, so 
like, like again, like, you know, this is kind of like, like the things like that is either brush it off or, and, or you, and use as motivation or you can like, uh, let it break you down. It, it's really your choice. And, and that's kind of how powerful the mind really can be though. Yeah, definitely. Cause some people would hang on to that for years and years and it would break them to, to hear that. And then that becomes part of their story. One of my favorite self-help books actually is Relentless by Tim Grover. I think it is. Are you familiar with that? Oh, book? yeah. Okay. It's about the mindset of a champion, staying cool under pressure and, and really just operating at, at a peak level. When you are interviewing these players, do you see glimpses of, of some sort of superior mindset? Um, superior mindset? I don't, I don't think so. When I, when I look at these pro athletes, these guys get criticized on a daily basis. You know, like their Twitter is a toxic and terrible place. If you're a professional athlete, you just had a bad game because you are getting roasted on Twitter. You're getting jokes. You're getting uh, everything. Again, though, it kind of goes back to different people. Tim Grover training Michael Jordan and Dwayne Wade and all those guys. Michael Jordan and Dwayne Wade could give, could not care less about what somebody said about them on social media or something. A guy like Ben Simmons, for example, might be like, hey, like, oh, he hurt my feelings a little bit. You know, like that can mess up a guy. Ben's teammate in high school, who's now in the NBA too, D'Angelo Russell, he plays for the uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. He hopped on a podcast uh, with a former NBA player, J.J. Redick, who played with Simmons with the Sixers. Now Redick is retired. But Redick asked D'Angelo, hey, you played with him in high school. And how come... Uh, ben doesn't shoot jump shots. And D'Angelo said, I think it's because of social media. You, you know, like if, if you have one bad play on social media, it will mess you up. Like people will make jokes about you. People will roast you. You know, if you airball a jump shot, you know, that's going to be a meme for about two weeks. So that's in my opinion, you know, Ben was shooting them in high school. And then I feel like maybe he doesn't want to get scrutinized all that much on uh, social media. That's my opinion. So like, like when it comes to, the mindset some of these guys some of these guys are able to take those jokes and be able to kind of like take it in stride but then there are some who might take a joke and it, they'll it won't be a joke to them it'll be like a big thing and they just shut down they won't be able to do it anymore i, I guess it's sort of a kind of like a subset of the professional players is is this subset that is very immune to criticism and uh very yeah social media stuff yeah, like, have you seen the uh, the video, Robert, of um, of Kobe? Uh, they're playing the Orlando Magic, and Matt Barnes tried to throw the ball in his face, and Kobe didn't flinch at all. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, like, there there there's some players that you can't break. Kobe was always one of them. Um, Kai, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so happy. Um, I asked Kai, I think like a month and a half ago, to come on, and he said that he wasn't sure if he could find time, and so I kind of let it go. And then I was like, you know what? I want Kai on the podcast. I go, can you please clear out some time? And so I'm happy that you cleared out some time. Thank you so much. Um, and is there anything that you would like to say to somebody who could be following their dreams and facing adversity? Nobody's going to give you the life that you want. You know, you really do have to kind of go out there and get it. And um, no matter how many doors are kind of slammed in your face. And another thing is there, there is no timeline for success, right? There's no timeline that says you got to be successful by 28 or you got to be successful by 22. Um, no, like there have been so many people in this world. I think Oprah Winfrey really didn't even get her first break until she was like 35. 
Um, I think Walt Disney even, like, though he was like 33, I think I read. Obviously, it helps when you're younger because you have a lot more energy than you do when you're older, but it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. If you want it and if it's important to you, you will go out there and get it, no matter how, how much is thrown in your face. That's all. That's a great point that you make about there's no deadline of like you have to be successful by age 28 or something. And I think that's a myth that goes around that when people buy into it, it results in that overinflation of energy of like, oh my gosh, I've got to get married by 30. I have to get my uh, master's degree by this. I have to have kids by this. And what I would want to propose is there's a different way of going about it where you're actually just engaged in the hustle without expectation and without that that extra energy where it's just yeah. you're you're out there experiencing it it also tracks back to one of our former episodes about when you're paying for things like you're always paying for something in life so it's like when you buy into the idea that like success is you know something that can be measured like it needs to happen at this specific time when you buy when you pay for that idea you're paying with your dreams so I just wanted to bring that up again um, because it's just, it's such a good one. You're always paying for something. So, you know, be, be aware of what you're paying for. Be aware of what you're buying into. Great point. Great point. So Kai, if people want to uh, engage with your Twitter or read some of your articles, where can they find these? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, um, Kai underscore Carlin. And then you can also check out SixersWire.com. Yeah, that's pretty much where all my work is. And then we're also trying to help out with the other NBA Wire sites too. But yeah, citruswire.com is like where you can find me at the most. That's awesome. Yeah, keep crushing it. Keep it keep it flowing. And yeah. uh, thank you again for your time. We'll see everybody in next week's episode. Did you find at least one gold nugget in today's episode? Then please like and subscribe and share it with a friend. And finally, if you're looking for a community of like-minded people, Join our free Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash enter the mind.